This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au um, Today, m- my job, um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I'm married to a lovely girl. Her name's Naomi. She's nice. <laughs> and uh, we like each other a lot. <laughs> we've been married for, I don't know, what do you say about that? At the end of the sentence, what do I say next? We, uh, we've been married for 12, almost 13 years. Uh, and, uh, and so we have some kids which is nice too. Uh, we don't have one or two, we have four kids. So um, uh, some of you were trying to work out, how old is this guy, you know? Like it's just, I've got the Asian gene where I can hide my age, right, forever, right? Just, well, this forever young Asian gene, right? So, um, but you know, we've got four kids and they're great, two boys, two girls. And one of my jobs is to go around and open up God's Word and um, call on people to respond to God with their lives. And I just want to say from the get-go that this is what I believe. I, I don't know whether, what you guys believe here, but I'm sure you believe this too. And that's um, this thing, the Word of God. I love God's Word, by the way. And I really believe that when God's Word goes out, this, I believe this firmly with full conviction. I believe that when God's Word goes out, it never returns to empty. There's a promise in Scripture in the book of Isaiah that talks about when God's word goes out, it doesn't come to him with, like it doesn't just go out like a, like a, maybe like a lecture at, at uni. It, <laughs> it, you know, it comes out, it's powerful, it's different. It's God's words, it's him speaking. And when it comes out, it comes back to him with, with fruit. And the fruit is changed lives. And that's you and that's me today. I, I expect that, I, I don't even think it's a maybe. And so I, if you might be tired today and think, like, there's no way God can, that doesn't seem to bother God. Right? He can change your life and He will. If your heart's right and you're ready to listen to Him. And today I really believe there are people here in this crowd who need to give their, give their lives to Jesus and come back to Him. And there's some people here today who have been kind of just meandering through maybe the Christian inverted commas life, but haven't really connected with God for a long time in a real way. And God knows that. He knows why you're here. So I don't know you, but God does. And He knows that He wants to change your life today. So I'm expecting that. I don't know whose life is going to be touched in which different ways, but I expect there's going to be fruit. You ready? Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just thank You so much for um, just Your Word. And I thank You, Lord God, that, that today we can come to you and hear your word opened. Lord God, I don't know people here. I don't know where they're at or what's going on through their minds today. But what I do know is that you know them so well. You know them inside out. And so Lord God, I pray that today you would make it very clear to them that your word is not gonna go out empty And I pray, Lord God, please, that you would change our lives today. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us close to you and you would have our hearts ready for you. We're expectant for that. I pray you give me the words to say and that those words will go out and by your spirit, they'll press home into these lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you find out how much something is worth? 
how do you find out how much something is worth? Now, I know what you're like when it comes to shopping. If you're someone who like really, because you're happy just to walk in, pay, if you see the thing, you pay the price, you walk out. Anyone here just love a good discount? Like, you know, just, you just love, hand up if you just love, like honest answer, right? You know what? Hands down, like, put your hand, all of you, you know, people who like shopping at Audi, no, 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 <laughs> like just cheap stuff, right? Now, it's, it's, you're allowed to laugh at any kind of, you know, mildly Asian type related comments I make, because I'm Asian, I'm allowed to do it. If there's one thing, right, if there's one thing that really is, it's like the kryptonite for Asians, right? It's a cheap deal, right? I can't, I, I cannot, you wave a bargain in front of me, I can't resist, I'm in, right? The whole thing is deals, deals, deals. For an Asian, for an Asian if you're an Asian here, you'll realize that, um, that a cheap, cheap, cheap bargain for $2 cheap, cheap is so good, right? That thing, you can't resist it. You know, when you, when you travel around in Asia, um, uh, it's just, it's an absolute classic because when you know, if you, you've been, put your hand off if you traveled to kind of Asia, like Thailand or like Malaysia, like, yeah, there we go. And you know that you've got this, when you go there, there's, these two, there's two different types of shopping, isn't there, right? There's the big department stores, which are pretty much like ours, and then there's those markets. You know the markets? You know that Asian, put your hand off if you've ever been to one of those Asian markets. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Those ones where there's just rows and rows of shops selling exactly the same thing. <laughs> And none of it's real, it's all fake. And, <laughs> and your job is to go. And let me tell you, in those, in those markets, let me tell you, if you go up to the, in those markets and you pay the first price that is on the tag, let me tell you what happened to you. Ready? You got ripped off, right? Because the rules are different. In Asia, in those markets, you never pay for it. The whole game is bargaining. The whole game is bargaining. And I don't know what kind of bargainer you are, and I remember the first time I ever had to actually deal with this bargaining thing by myself without my parents around. It was one of my first trips I took. I think I was like 19. I did my first overseas trip by myself. And I remember landing in Malaysia where my parents are from. And I remember the plane, um, as the plane was touching down, actually, I think I was getting the bag out of the uh, carry-on thing, my backpack. And as I got that out, my backpack broke, and I was like, this is, this is not good. The arm's falling off the backpack. I'm having my first trip by myself. This is not good. You need a backpack. So I went straight to those Asian markets, and I thought, this is going to be solved. I'm going to get myself a backpack. So I'm walking around, and I'm looking at all the shops, and I come to this shop, and I see the backpack. And I look at this backpack, and I think, that was a nice backpack. And I think, I'm taking that backpack home. It's a beautiful, nice blue backpack, and I went, I'm taking that blue backpack. That blue backpack is Steve Chong's today. And I look at that backpack, and there's the guy in the shop. Now, this is where it all begins, and the guy's at the shop, and he's there, and he's just kind of, uh, just looking like he's not interested in me, when I know he is. <laughs> and I'm over there, holding this blue pack back, backpack, trying to make it look like I'm not interested, but I am. And this is where the whole game begins. I'm there holding the backpack going, oh, yeah doesn't look that great. Inside, I'm like, I'm taking this backpack home. And this guy's over there going, is he a tourist? Is he interested? And there's this moment where someone has to break the ice. And I start. So I hold up the blue backpack and I say to this guy, who's probably my long lost uncle, and I say to him, this backpack, how much of the backpack? And then he looks at me. That, those eyes where he looks at me thinking, how hard do I go here? Is this guy actually my long lost nephew? 
or is he a tourist that I can really take for a run? And he looks at me and he says, well, he says, I have no more price but for you today. He says, because you are, you are a very good looking man. He says, today, just for you. Okay, he says, I give to you for $30. Just take for $30. At this point, what do you have to say? The moment he says that, I say, $30. I said, I can't pay $30 for this bag. I'm not paying $30 back. And I, I put the bag down. And this is what you've got to do. The, first, the key to all bargaining is the walk, right? The walk. You put the bag down. Inside my head, I'm thinking, I'm taking this bag home. But you do exactly the opposite. You put the bag down, and you start to walk. And you walk, and you count to three. One, two. Okay, okay, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. How much do you want to pay for the bag? How much do you want to pay for the bag? And then I remember picking up the bag, and I looked at this bag, and I said, no, for this bag, I said, you know, I'll give you $15. And he says, $15. $15. He said, I charge you $15, tomorrow you'll come back, my whole shop is closed down. <laughs> and I said, I said to him, okay then. Now it's starting to heat up, right? Okay, how much do you want me to pay? He says to me, he says to me, okay, just today. I'm feeling very happy today, so today, he said, where are you from first? I said, I'm from Australia. Oh, Australia, I love many cousins in Australia. I like them very much, right? And then he says, so today I give to you for $25. And then I pick up the bag and I say to him, $25? And I look at it closely, this Adidas bag, and I said, it doesn't even say Adidas, it says Adidas. <laughs> and my favorite moment was when he looked back at me with my massive challenge, I mean, I can read, right? It says Adidas, and he says to me, Adidas, Adidas, what's the problem? Same, same, but different. <laughs> and then I said to him, I said to him, I can't, I'm not paying $25 for an Adidas bag. I mean, I said, I said I'll, I'll give you $20. He says, $20. Oh. He said, I charge you $20. My wife will kill me. And then I said to him, how much do you want me to pay? I said, look, look, I'll say, I'll pay you $22.50, that's it. If not, I'm going to the next shop to buy the next out of this bag. And he says, okay. I asked my wife. And he goes out the back and you hear him yell out in Chinese because he realizes by now from my accent, I can't speak any Chinese. And he yells out, like he's speaking to his wife. I don't think his wife's even there. But it doesn't matter. He comes back and he has a big sign. He says, okay, with a big smile, $22.50. And I got my Adidas bag for $22.50. Yes. You know, some people say that bargaining is the way to find out the true value of something, how much something really is worth. You know, that's a backpack, you know, bargaining back and forth to try and work out how much it is worth. But how would you work out how much a person is worth? I mean, how do you even work out the value of a person? I mean, we, you can't value a person in dollars, can you? I mean, we wouldn't do that. Well, actually, in one level, sometimes we do. Like, I looked up and I was reading the newspaper, and um, uh, it talked about the heading was, you know, uh, Bill Gates' net worth. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in a dollar sign. Actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how much Bill Gates' net worth is. Bill Gates' net worth right now. Would you believe this? Bill Gates' net worth right now. Get ready for it. Is seventy-nine point three billion dollars. Uh, then the article that I read goes on to talk about how the amount that he actually earns in per year with investments and blah blah blah. Ready for this? This is how much Bill Gates earns per year. Get your head around this. Ready? 
Bill Gates earns per year $12 billion. Which, if you work it out, the article then goes and says, uh, per day, if you want to work out his rate per day, per day, Bill Gates earns $33.3 million. Get your head around that. So you want an hourly rate. How's his hourly rate? Ready? Hourly rate, you could work it backwards, and I'm not sure how your mass is, but uh, you can work this out at $1.38 million per hour. How about the sec- per second? Per second, ready, Bill Gates earns $350 per second. Now, get your head around that, right? Like, that means if, like, Bill Gates is walking around, can you just imagine if it takes, like, say, let's say it takes, like, um, four seconds to, to if, if you're walking and something dropped out of your pocket and he was like, one, two, to drop back, oh, three, four, to pick it up, and Bill Gates was taking a walk one day, and if Bill Gates was walking and $1,000 fell out of his pocket, he'd earn more to keep walking. Right, right. This guy is unbelievable. Like in terms of the kind of net worth, it kind of boggles our mind. But you know, we wouldn't value people like that, really, would we? How do we work out how much someone is worth? Or even a deeper question: Have you ever not just looked at someone and tried to value what their life is like, given on maybe their social media profile or the kind of things that way that they project themselves? Another deeper question is, have you ever felt worthless? All of us at some point have felt that. You see, today's passage is one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. And many of you know it, but I don't want you to tune out. Apparently, um, after the crucifixion of Jesus, it's the most commonly known, if I pick anyone on the street, it's the most commonly known story in the Bible after that. So the challenge I've got today is for you to feel it like it's a fresh one. Because the story is in the book of Luke, chapter 15. It talks about how much someone's worth. And what we're going to do today is go to this story that's known as the prodigal son. And I want you to take the story here with me at the beginning. Because where the story begins is this. Jesus continued and he said there was a man who had how many sons? Two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So the father then divided his property between them. Now, I just want to stop there and just, I want you for a second to think about this young son. Think about what actually just happened. I don't know here uh, if you, um, who's a parent, but I tell you what, one day, if my kid ever said that to me, can you imagine what it's like? Can you imagine what it would have been for this younger son to go up to his father and say, hey, you know what? You know that money that's kind of sitting around? that I'm meant to get when you're dead. If it's okay with you, I just, I can't wait. I just need it now. Essentially, he's saying, I wish you were dead. He's looking at his dad like a walking money bag. And we look at the son there and we think, there's no way we would do that, is there? I mean, can you imagine doing that to your parents? <laughs> just, just imagine that, right? None of us would do that, would we? Or would we? You see, the father represents God in this story. And the truth is that so many of us would actually think about God and talk to God, or sorry, think about God as in, in such a similar way. As in, you see, the, the core problem with this son and the father was that what the son wanted, he wanted the benefits of being a son, you got it? But he didn't want the relationship with the father, do you get it? 
And so for so many of us, in fact, I think this is the default way that we treat God. We actually have God there, and we're happy to take the benefits of God. You know, like, you know, we're happy to breathe His air, <laughs> right? Or I'm happy to drink your water, God, as long as I don't have a relationship with you. Or as long as at least my relationship with you is contained to just popping into church sometimes, right? Or as long as you don't have any control over my life or have any say in terms of my priorities to do with my, my money or my time, as long as none of that happens, I'm happy to do that, but I'm happy to take your stuff, but I don't want the full deal. How many of us are like that? How many of us see moments in our life that we treat God like that? You know, the son did that, and what happens next is quite extraordinary, because he goes through, and you may know the story, but he then gets together all he had, he takes all his inheritance, and he goes off to a distant country, and he squanders his wealth. He gets rid of it, he spends it on wealth and wild living and prostitutes, and he just pours out his money in partying, and then he goes right down to rock bottom, because there was a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in need. And let me tell you what happened here in chapter 15, verse 16, 16a, the first part of it. It says this. He got right down to the rock bottom, and he hit these consequences when he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Let me tell you what this picture is. Hands down, this is basically what the Bible says. When it comes to God, if we treat God like a big cosmic Santa Claus, and if we treat God like someone that we can just go up to and just take his stuff, but actually are not willing to live his way, then the Bible says that that always leads to consequences. It always leads to, to not good consequences. And this picture of hitting rock bottom is a picture of that. I mean, do you see how rock bottom we came? I mean, not only was it a famine, but if you know anything, of course, about Jewish culture, <laughs> for a Jewish man, as you know, Jewish people don't even talk about pigs, let alone be near a pig. Like, it's just, they, they see them as unclean animals, and so what happens is you go, you stay very, very far, you don't even talk about it, definitely don't eat them. And you can stay as far away as possible. For this Jewish man, I tell you right, if, if you're a Jewish man and you've got to this point, you know you've hit rock bottom when you're not only near a pig, but you're sitting there with the pigs, working with the pigs, looking at the pigs saying, I wish I was a pig. Which is the, the definition here of rock bottom. Where are you at with your life? Which right now, I wanna ask everyone, I don't care whether you've been going to church for ages or not, but I wanna know right now where you're at which direction are you stepping when it comes to God? Are you stepping towards Him or are you in any way stepping away from Him? doesn't matter whether you go to church all the time or not, but what has been going on, even in your last 24 hours, 48 hours, last week, I know you're stepping towards God here today because it's Sunday. I'm not, that's easy. I'm not talking about Sunday. I'm talking about the, the last week, the last month. Which direction are you walking when it comes to God? Because I'm gonna tell you that any direction other than towards God and walking towards Him is walking away from Him. And anytime you're walking away from Him, it leads to consequences, no matter what the world will tell you. And what happens is this. We all need to have a moment like him because in verse 17, he comes to his senses and he goes, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm here feeding the pigs 
and my father's servants have more than me right now. And he says, I'm, that's it, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go back to my father. And you know, one of the things that I've never understood, and I've read this story so many times since I've grown up in church, like one of the things I've never got, and maybe you've, why didn't he go back, why didn't he go back sooner? You know, like I've just never understood, why didn't the boy just sort of, why get to the point when you were actually about to die on the point of starvation? And you're there going, I wish I was a pig, I want to eat their pods. Why, why get to that point before you decide, you know what, I should go home? Actually, um, I've read, done a fair bit of research on this, and I found out from a whole bunch of historical commentators that actually there is a very clear reason that he uh, didn't do it. And it's, a, it's to do with a tradition, a Jewish tradition that happens in the village system back then, uh, in first century Palestine. And what would have happened is this. Um, because the Jewish people were very, very keen to make sure that nobody betrays their village and no one takes assets from the village and takes and spoils them and loses them to non-Jewish people, to Gentiles, they would have this, um, it's not a very nice tradition in many ways, a, a thing called, uh, a tradition called kezezar. That's the Hebrew word for it. You reckon you can do it? It's a bit of a tongue twister. Everyone on the count of three, say kezezar. Ready? One, two, three. There it is. Look at that. Perfect. Hebrew scholars, all of you. And... There is this thing called Kezazar, and it's a horrible thing. And what happens is this. If it, the, it, the tradition is, the rule is, the law is, that if anyone takes property from a village and takes it out and squanders it and uses it and wastes it out of something out beyond the Jewish people in the village, then they would perform this ceremony called Kezazar, which means the cutting off ceremony. And it's pretty horrible because what would happen is if that person ever tried to come back, into the fold. They would take a big clay pot and perform this Kezazar ceremony where a symbolism, symbolic thing happened and they'd take this big clay pot, they'd fill it off, sometimes they'd fill it with burnt corn and they'd take this pot and if they ever saw, they'd go up to the village elders and the chiefs and all that kind of stuff, they would come up to this person and they would smash this pot on the ground in a very loud public way and they would say, just like this pot is broken, you are broken to us. Just like the corn is burnt, you have burnt your bridges with us, never come back, you're done. And they would send them away. And we, it's hard for us to remember that because we're reading it with kind of like, oh, look, it'll be all right, come on back, kind of eyes. But actually, if you read it, when the first readers are reading it, they're thinking, man, no wonder, he's not coming back. Of course he's not coming back because Kezar's coming waiting for him when he comes back. And, and the boy then therefore is stuck He's stuck between hunger and helplessness and, 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 and no one willing to take him back between Kezazar. That is what should happen. And in many ways, that is what should happen to each of us. Every single time we decide to walk away from God, what should happen is Kezazar. What should happen to this boy is this breaking off ceremony, but he hasn't counted on something. He hasn't counted on an old, broken Hearted man. Now I just, this is a hard, I've read this story with new eyes being a dad, to be honest. He hasn't counted on this old broken hearted man who every day, every day would stand on the same point and look at that horizon, that same place on the horizon, hoping against hope. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day he'll come back. And every day he'd do that. And this day, this day, this broken-hearted father 
he gets up and he looks at that same point, expecting to see the same usual emptiness. And he looks at that point in the horizon and then he sees a shadow. And he says, I know that shadow. And that shadow starts walking towards him. And he says, I, I know that walk. And it takes him an instant. And he says, I know that. That's, that's my boy. That's my boy. And it takes him a moment. He just starts running. He runs and he runs. It's like a reflex action. Nothing can stop him. He runs and he runs and he runs. And when he gets to his son, we read what, in my opinion, actually, I'm taking a big, big, bold claim, and there's a lot of verses in the Bible that I like and that are important. I think this is one of the most powerful verses in the whole of the Bible. Because the father runs to the son, and you hear in chapter 15, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, everyone say long way off. While he was still a long way off, what happens? The father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him. And right there, you see one of the most beautiful pictures of the heart of God. And why run? Why, why would the father run? I mean, the father has to go against a whole lot of shame here to run, as you know. In that time, old people don't run. That's a, I mean, that's the rule. In fact, in Asian culture now, I mean, I'm picturing my Asian grandpa. It's just a, he just doesn't run, right? Because you can't, you can't do that. It's a disrespectful kind of thing to do. In fact, I've read an article recently in Middle Eastern culture. Uh, would you believe it? There's a, there's a church in the Middle East at the moment who... Uh, the elders want to sack the senior pastor, which is never fun already, all right? They want to sack the senior pastor. Do you know why? Because he walks down the street too fast. Because it's a cultural thing, right? It's a cultural thing. It's a disrespectful thing to do that, right? So next time you see Maddie just sprinting down the street, just be like, hey, mate, no. <laughs> but the, the, you see, that is the culture, and you, the other, you never bare your legs either, that's the other thing. And so this father would have been wearing long gowns, and he does not care. He doesn't care about the respect and the shame that should be on that son, but the shame comes on him when he picks up his robe and bears his legs and just does the sprint. And he runs, and he runs, and he runs. Why would he do that? Like, why run? I'll tell you why, because he knows that he, and why would he look for the son for a long way off, not just wait till he comes? He's going to get to him first. There's no Kezezar happening today on his watch. Do you see? He's there and he's like, I'm going to get to him first. That is my boy. He is not going to be broken off. He's, the villagers are not going to get to him before me. I mean, you know, even that word for him to run. Do you know, actually, the, 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 the actual Greek word that that story we've got in our New Testaments. I looked up the actual definition of that word run there. It's not just run. Right, the the word actually means this is classic. I'll read the definition in this in the in the dictionary that I read. It said this under that Greek word. It said that this word is better described as a reflex sprint. A reflex sprint, and then it goes and gives a little description, and it says it's the kind of um, it says the kind of speed that you would move when you just use an example. If you were sitting in the house, and while you're sitting in the house, a robber came into your house. 
that kind of speed. I mean, an absolute reflex sprint. It's like, you know, I remember the time, another time that I was in Malaysia with kids this time, and I remember my third-born girl, her name is Caitlin, and she was, I think, like three at the time, and Naomi just had our newborn, our, our youngest, Alyssa, and so Alyssa was being, you know, being fed by Naomi, and we're sitting by the side of the hotel pool. The boys are fine, they can swim. And I'll never forget this moment. Naomi was there feeding our, our, our youngest, and Caitlin was in that zone where she thinks she can swim, but she can't, which is a dangerous zone. And so Naomi's holding um, her baby, and um, I was holding, well, I was on Instagram, to be honest, I was holding my baby, my phone, no, and I was there, and Caitlin had jumped in the water, right? And I'm just there, you know, doing some post. And Naomi's feeding the baby, and Katie had started to go under, and I tell you, I didn't even... All I needed to hear, it was not even, it was just two words from, from Naomi, but it was the tone, right? And if you're not married, boys, one day, if you hear your wife speaking a certain tone, you move as fast as when a robber comes in your house, right? <laughs> because, I, and it's not just when she does that to do the dishes, but you should still move pretty fast then. But I'm telling you, I was there, sitting there on my phone, and I just heard her say, Steve, Caitlin, right? That's all she said, Steve, Caitlin. And the tone, it just, I don't know what it is. It sends shivers down your, basically, I, I tell you what I didn't do, right? I didn't say, hey, look, just wait, I'm just going to finish my post. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say like, hang on, just let me just, um, let me just test the water and see how it feels. What do I think I did? Steve, Caitlin, I look up, Caitlin's going under, I jump in and I'm, man, I swear, Michael Phelps had nothing on me, Right? I went so fast and I went for her and she was fine and it was all okay. But I'm telling you, that is the kind of speed that the father moves when he sees his son. He looks at his son who has taken all his wealth and says, I wish you were dead. That son comes, which he's been looking at all day and he runs like that, boom, he's out. He's out of the blocks and he goes that quick. Now you might... um think today that this story isn't for you and you might be there thinking, you know what, maybe there's some people here today who've really just, you know, bad, you know, those people. You know those people? People like the sun. And you're thinking, phew, it's not me. It's the other guy who's, you know, doing really bad stuff. Actually, there's a twist in the story which I think is gonna catch most of us because there's another son, wasn't there? And what's the other son doing? He's out in the fields, and he's out in the fields, says the scriptures, and says this story, and he's out there in the field, and he hears the sound of partying, and he goes to another servant, and he says, what's going on? There's a party in the house, and the servant says to him, and the son's out there laboring in the field, and the servant says, you're joking. You haven't heard, and the boy's like, heard what? I'm busy out here, just slaving away. Heard what? God says, your brother, you know your brother? And the older brother's like, yeah, I know my brother. <laughs> that one that just ripped us off, took all the money and ran. He says, what about him? He's home. And the brother's like, he's home. But before he can even think about how he feels about that, the servant says, and your father, your father's thrown a party. 
He's thrown a massive party for him. And like, this isn't just some sort of, this isn't like a little party, right? This isn't just like, let's order pizza and get the free garlic bread. Like, this is, this is the fattened calf. He's like, he's killed the fattened calf, which is the thing you've been waiting for for ages. I, mean, I don't know what the equivalent of that is in this today's society. I mean, it's like a massive Chinese New Year feast. That's for me, I'm thinking, right? This is big deal. It's all, on. and the son's like, you What? And then he was so mad and he refuses to go in. And then the father comes out to the son and says, son, all I have is yours. And the son's furious. I've been slaving away. You see, I'll tell you what this son is like. And this might catch some of you. I think he's a lot like many of us. He's a lot like many of us, isn't he? Someone who I would call close to God but distant. Close but distant. That is, he sees his Christian, sorry, the equivalent would be a Christian seeing their relationship with God as someone who can tick the boxes and say, you know what I do? I do, I go, I go every year, for years I've slaved. For years, but there's no joy in that. There's no personal, deep relationship. And I wanna know, is that someone here today? Is there someone here today who you know that on the outward, things might look okay, but in the inside, there's a coldness towards God. There is a resentment, and that you're starting to slip, and you're starting to walk a different direction. Do you have a relationship with God like that? A rule-keeping type-based relationship, not one of enjoyment. And so please look at me now as I start finishing some of this up. I wanna say to you this. Some of you today, I would call close but far. And maybe you're playing the game. Maybe you are pretending and you know how to do that real well. And it's pretty easy, by the way, to do that. If that's you, I'll tell you what you can do. I'll tell you what you can do this morning. You can come home now. Maybe you've walked away from your faith. Maybe you're trying to earn your way back. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm just gonna, look, I don't wanna do it today because I'm just gonna get a few things together in my life. Let me tell you, if that's you, I'll tell you what you can do today. You can come home now. Or maybe you are a bit like the rebellious son. Maybe you've slept around. Maybe, there are, maybe, there are, maybe you're a compulsive liar. Maybe there's sins in your life that you are quite ashamed of. Maybe there's something going on for you right now that you think, if anyone knew that, I would be totally out. If that's you, let me tell you what. I know, you know what, I don't know what those sins are, of course, God does, and let me tell you what He can say to you today. You can come home now. You can come home now. You can let some of that go. Which son are you? See, do you wanna know how much you're worth? I'll tell you how you know how much you're worth, Anchor Church. This is how much you're worth. If you've been sleeping so far, then wake up for now, because it's the line. You know how much you are worth by how much someone is willing to give up for you. You know how much you are worth by how much someone is willing to give up for you. How much did the father give up for the son? He ran out. In fact, you know what? He ran out twice, to be honest. He ran to his younger son and then he left the party, which is a very shameful thing to do when you're the host. And he runs out of that and he goes to his other son. This isn't the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the running father. This is the story of the father who keeps running and running and running. Why does he keep running? Why does he keep doing it? He gives up stuff. How much are you worth? I tell you how much you are worth. You know how much you're worth by how much someone is willing to give up for you. How much is he willing to give up for you? I'll tell you how much he's willing to give up for you. He gave you his son. He gave you his son. Who, what? Who died on the cross. And what Jesus did was He says, I will take that punishment, which is a ridiculous picture. 
It's every one of us who are the ones who are supposed to be broken. We're the ones who are supposed to have the humiliation. But right there on the cross that with Jesus' arms outstretched, that's where you see the Father running to you. That's the running Father right there. That's the Father running to you. It should have been us. It should have been our humiliation, but it's on Him. It should have been us cut off. But on the cross, Jesus says those harrowing words, doesn't He? My God, my God, why have you cut me off? Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, is God running for you? You know, guys, um, my, my daughter, Caitlin, I'll tell you nothing about her. She's, in a, she's a classic man, that girl. She's so funny. I'll tell you what, she's learned how to say things like, she's learned how to, she's very nice with the words. I don't know where she gets that from. She's got a way with words. And um, she loved, she's learned how to use her words to get what she wants. So, you know what? The other day in the car, she, she, she's addicted to a show on ABC for Kids, and none of you would know that unless you weirdly are watching ABC for Kids. But um, there's a show on there called Octonauts. Do you know what Octonauts are? Come on, man. People are excited by that. Anyone know what Octonauts is? All right, a bunch of furry animals under the sea. Lucky you guys get to watch it, and um, she's addicted to it. She's worked out that obviously she can watch unlimited Octonauts on my phone, on you know ABC for Kids app. And I'll never forget what she said the other day. I wrote it down. She says this. She goes, um... Daddy? And I said, yes. I'm driving, she's in the back. And she says, I love you. And I'm like, you know, for a dad, I'm like, this is a good day. I'm like, oh yes, you do love me. I'm just like, and I'm like, so I just said, that's a nice thing to say, Katie. And then so I'm like, dad of the year, come on. And then she says, daddy? And I said, yes. And she says, do you know why I love you? And I said, why, Katie? And she says, because you let me use your phone to watch Octonauts. <laughs> and then she says, and I wrote this all down. She says, Daddy? And I said, yes. And she says, do you know how much I love you? And I said, how much? And she says, a very interesting line, which I'll tell you later. She goes, I love you even when I'm angry with you. And I said, what, what makes you angry with me? And she says, when you don't give me your phone to watch Octonauts. And I hear it one more time. She says, Daddy? And I said, yes. And she says, can I use your phone? <laughs> you know, God's love is not like that. <laughs> it is not manipulative. He doesn't try and get in there. This sermon is not like a little sales pitch where I kind of do some magic kind of stuff and you kind of all go, oh, I get God's love. God's love doesn't need that. He doesn't even need a preacher to do that because God's love is for you. It will never stop and He runs to you. Do you get that? He loves you, He loves you, He loves you that much. He doesn't manipulate you. And He has a right to be angry with us, which is where that line comes from because, you know, Katie, she's a classic because when she gets really, really sad, I'll tell you what happens. You see, 
If you're not, not, it's not when she gets sad, it's when she gets in trouble. Let me tell you what Katie does. All my kids are different. When the boys get in trouble, they're, they're boys, right? They kind of go, they're like, oh yeah, oh sorry, sorry. They're, they're still doing it. They're like, they don't really care a lot of the time. But, the, but Katie, out of all my kids, when she gets in trouble, she can't, she's one of those, anyone was a kid who just hated getting in trouble, you know, like you just, you know, put a come on, hand up. Who hates the, you know you are. And the other ones are like, oh, straight away. And what happens is, when Katie gets in trouble, like the other day I walked into a room and she, you won't believe this, she had drawn on the wall and she had the crayon in her hand still. When I walked in, I walked in and there was this moment, I'm standing there and there's Katie. And I walked in and all I needed to say was, Caitlin, I hadn't even started. And she's there holding her lips up. And then the tears starts coming down her eye. I haven't even got in trouble yet. I've just said, Caitlin. And she starts to cry. And she's different from the other kids. She's very sensitive. So I have to get down and I go down on her knees, right? And I know all of you are feeling for Caitlin right now. She drew on the wall, right? Come back on my side, right? And you're like, oh, poor Caitlin, don't get her in trouble. She drew on the wall. You see, it works on you too, right? And I'm there and I'm getting, but anyway, I get down on her knee, knees and she's there crying. And, and I just say to her, before I get her in trouble, I say, Katie, do you know that daddy loves you? even when I'm angry with you. And she looks at me, I say it to her all the time, then I, then I get her in trouble. <laughs> right? And that's why she says that. You know, does God have a right to be angry with you? Absolutely. You took his stuff, you took it for granted, and you walked. And you, start, and you continue to do that each day. You walk away from him and his priorities. Does he have a right to get angry? But does God love you even while he's angry with you? Yes, his love overpowers that. His love for you is so great, it's so strong. He loves you and you and you. And that's why he'll run out towards you and he will never stop. You see, that is why we're at. This is unbelievable. The thought of the Father running to us, it doesn't make any sense. I remember the time, so I, I'm something that you would call it, someone that you'd call an evangelist. So my job is to go and tell people about God's love and see people respond to that. I, I learned from a guy named John Chapman. Some of you may or may not, he trained me. And I remember the day that I was in a training group with him, learning how to be, he's like, let me teach you how to be evangelist. And he said, Lord, let's work on a sermon. And he started reading the passage from Luke chapter 15 because someone was gonna preach it. And he read, the, he read this story out loud and you won't believe it, he was like an 80 year old, I don't know how old he was then when he was doing that and he started crying. He couldn't even read the passage and we're all like, what do we do now? He's like, and then the father went. And he's just crying and I looked at him afterwards and I talked to him, what happened? And he said, it's like God loves us more than we dare to even believe. Do you know how much God loves you? He loves you more than you even dare to believe. Have you worked it out? Can you picture how much God's love you? Have you got it in your head? More than that. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He'll keep going for you. That's how much He'll run to you. And that's why He wants you to respond to Him today. You can run, you can run, you can run. You can pretend, you can pretend, you can pretend, but the Father will never, ever stop loving you. And that's why you're here today. So today, come home. As I finish, I'm gonna read you a story. And... um. It's a story that I found that my mum actually read to me, would you believe, um, she read me a, a book of short stories when I was young. Uh, it was called True Stories That Really Did Happen, which is a weird title, I think about it, right? Um, otherwise it wouldn't be true. <laughs> but um, a book of short stories, and I found it, would you believe it? I found it. And one of the stories that she'd read, I, she didn't realise this, but I, I would always actually, she'd read it, but she didn't realise that at the end she'd turn the lights off and my pillow would sometimes be 
quite often be wet with tears because it was just a powerful story. And um, so I'm going I'm to tuck you into bed tonight, and that, because that's a weird thing I just said, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to close your eyes, please. Close your eyes, and just imagine you're getting, not by me, someone else tucked in the bed. And um, let me just read you the story. I'm going to read the whole thing. A man was sitting on the pavement beside the bus stop. He was unshaven, his shoes were old and worn, his shoulders were slumped, and he looked like what he was, a homeless man who had spent the last night sleeping under a railway arch. He sat there, oblivious to people's disapproving stares, and he thought back 20 years to when he lived in the little red brick house just around the corner. He wasn't even sure if the house would still be there. Maybe they bulldozed it years ago. He remembers riding his bike up the path to the house, to the front door. He remembers the red Bougainvillea climbing up the walls. That was 20 years ago. But 10 years later, the bike had become a motorcycle and he'd got in with the wrong crowd. The pub had become more of a home than his red brick house. And the debts had piled up. And the day he'd gone home, meaning to ask his parents for a loan, and the house had been empty and he knew exactly where dad kept all the money and he just helped himself. That was the last time he'd seen them. He hadn't wanted to go home after that and they'd lost track of him. They knew nothing of his years of wandering around of his jail sentence. But locked up in the cell, he often thought about them. And once he, he thought if he was free, he would love to see them again if they were still alive and supposing of course that they'd wanna see him. And since then he'd got out, but something kept drawing him back home. Often it was just seeing another red brick house or a kid on a bike or a Bougainvillea plant. And so he began the long journey, walking or hitching a ride. And then about 20 miles from home, he had a second thoughts. What right had he to do this? To, to just walk in the house? Could they ever reconcile this haggard man that he'd become with the boy they'd loved who'd so bitterly disappointed them? And he sat by the street down and he thought, he thought about the short letter that he'd posted just a couple of days before. And it said, if you want me home, hang a white handkerchief on the window of my old bedroom. If it's there, I'll come. If not, I'll wave goodbye to the old house and go on my way. Well, he couldn't put it off any longer. He got up and he stiff and shivering, he slowly shuffled down the street towards the old house. The sun was shining on that little red house, except it wasn't a red house because every wall was covered with white. Every window was hung with white sheets with white pillowcases with white towels and white tablecloths and white handkerchiefs and white napkins and, the, and white curtains ran right across the roof. It looked like a snow house. His parents were taking no risks and across the top was a huge welcome home banner. And the man threw back his head and breathed a sigh of relief and ran straight up the street, straight into the open front door. You can open up your eyes and have a look here. Today, it's time to come home. There is a welcome waiting for you. There is a party with the angels in heaven waiting to party with you. So what's keeping you with the pigs? Come home. I'm gonna pray now, and I don't know where you're at, but if today in any way you know that you are not walking towards God, you're walking the other way, and you need to turn around, and you need to give your life commit your life to walking towards Jesus and He's walking towards the Father with His open arms and I want to give you that opportunity today. I'll tell you when's the best time to do that is. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's today. 
So here's what I want to do. I want everyone please to bow their heads and close their eyes again, please. Everyone please in the, in the room. And if you today are someone here who wants to give your life to Jesus and you wanna walk towards God and experience His love, you wanna stop walking the other way and you wanna be honest and real with yourself, then today I'm gonna ask you if you'd pray a prayer with me, which pretty much just says, sorry to God for walking the other way, thanking Him for Jesus who died for you and to say, please help me to follow you from this day on. If that's you today, I'd love you to do something for me. I'd love you to please raise your hand so I can see. If that's you right now, put your hand up so I can see and I can pray with you, please put your hand up. I can see you in the back corner there, that's great. I can see you in the back row over there, got you, mate. Put more hands up, please, that'd be great. I can see some more, that's so good. Keep your hands up, I can see you in the, on the left side in the middle back there, got you. I can see you right up the back there, got you. Anyone else? So it's only me and the pastor, pastoral team will be able to see that. Can you keep your hands up, please, that's great. Anyone else? Yep, I can see you there in the second back row, got you. If there's anyone else who needs to come home today, today is the day, not tomorrow more hands if there's anyone else there's still some time I want to lead you in prayer yep I can see some of your hands there I can see you in the front I can see just that small hand going up I've got you that's good put it up yep got you yep I can see you let's just keep your hands up now while I lead you in prayer it's time to come home guys let's pray dear God I'm sorry for walking away from you Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please help me from this day on to walk towards you and give you my life. It's yours. Please help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down now. Amen. Amen. It's so good. That's so, so good. I'm really, really excited by what God has done. I told you that His Word doesn't return to Him empty. And so let me tell you what happens. Just like the party happened there in Scripture, it also says that when people repent and they give their lives to Jesus, then a party happens in heaven. So I think we should probably um, do something. Stand up. Why don't we all stand up and give a big cheer for God for what He's done. Huge cheer. Come on. A real party, which is great. Praise God for what He's done in you.